Hey everybody, uh, we've got an awesome episode. You know, we've had a little bit of time on our hands uh, because of the coronavirus. And so we've been bringing in a lot of affiliates, people that have served our clients, people that we know. Uh, and it's just been awesome to pick their brain. These are professionals. And uh, we've got somebody I think that you're really gonna enjoy hearing from. This is Kelly Swan. And Kelly Swan is a local architect. And uh, we've got a lot of questions for you, man, because I'll tell you, our clients, they always get excited about the idea of building. And for some, that's a real possibility. For some, it's just not. I mean, the market has gotten such that if you don't have 500, 600,000, you're probably not going to be able to build or at least a custom design, right. or custom home. But uh, if you are over 500,000, this is a great podcast for you. Or if you aspire to one day build a home. And I think if I had my wish for everybody is that they could experience the this whole process of designing a custom floor plan and then building a, their, their dream home. We hear that a lot in real estate. People want their dream home. And and uh, so I think this can be a really interesting discussion. So we just wanted to, it's like a job interview. Tell us about yourself, Kelly, and uh, <laughs> what your education is and all of that good stuff. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, for starters, uh, I think even even if you don't have 500,000, if you just wanted to do an addition on your home even, or you want to remodel spaces, you know, you could you could work with an architect to help you lay out that space. Good, good point. So um, my, my education, I think, started in the Northwest, building uh, multi-story tree houses and rope swings and everything with, <laughs> nice. my, with my twin brother. For, now that's uh, so funny, by the way, because Kelly has a twin brother. That's right. <laughs> and, and so this is just twin powers uniting here. But are you really serious? You guys were building out in the woods. Yeah, yeah, we had tree, the highest levels were maybe 35, 35 feet up in the air. We would have rope swings and wow. we all broke our arms out there, but it was, it was great. <laughs> and you were the mastermind behind all these or what? Well, we, we build them together, but yeah. 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 It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. He, he, uh, he went on to be an engineer and I, okay. I decided I wanted to be an architect. So good team. I've been working at it since then. Uh, I came out to, uh, I came out to Utah to go to BYU, really wanted to go to BYU, but there wasn't any, uh, architecture program there. So I, right. I huh. kind of, I kind of looked at what are the paths I could explore in my undergraduate work that would help me be even a, a better architect. Because you can start out in architecture school as a bachelor's degree and then go all the way through your master's. But um, I wanted to get a different bachelor's degree. Yeah. So I started out in civil. After a couple semesters of that, I decided to jump ship and went over to industrial design. And I did that wow. for a, a year and a half. And uh, it's a really competitive program. I got accepted into everything. And then I decided, you know, this is just... A little too heavy on the design side. I want to go learn some more of the basics, um, the construction stuff. So I ended up switching from there into the construction management program, which is a which is a great program that. at BYU. Yeah, it's a, a really uh, both wow. the industrial design program and the construction management program yeah. are really good programs at BYU. So from there, I went over to the uh, University of Utah. I'm from Washington. Didn't really know hardly anything about the rivalry because I'm not a sports yeah. guy. Yeah. But I found out really fast. I bet. <laughs> so um, coming from a coming from a undergraduate degree that was not architecture, they actually make you go into another three years of master's program. So it is a it's a long haul. Um, so uh, you, I mean, if if you go to some schools, you could have your your uh, education done in about five years. But I decided to take the seven year route and uh, get a bunch of experiences along the way. And uh, it's served me really well. I bet it has. And so just to be clear then, to be an architect, it, I mean, is it a master's degree then? I yes. mean, aside from licensing, which I think... 
we yeah, can most, cover, but I mean, it's it's basically it's a master's degree program. Right. Most states require a master's degree. Interesting. Um, but it, it varies from state to state. Okay. As long as you rec- you complete the education requirements for that state, and uh, go through the go through the licensing process, which is which is for the most part all through uh, NCARB, which is a national. I can't think of the thing right now but it's the that's the organization is NCARB that controls all the licensing for architects so you do the schooling and then much like maybe a CPA or my wife is a has a master's degree in social work you then have to sit for some sort of a a, a test like a CPA exam or in your case an architecture exam right to get the licensing right. yeah so the the ARE the architecture registration exam uh, is it's currently six different exams and wow. each exam is about three to four hours, and so you gotta you gotta get all the education, and you, then you can start sitting for those exams. And while you're doing that, you also have to go intern for something like I think the current requirements about thirty seven hundred hours of wow. education or wow. of of work experience in specific areas of architecture. So it's not just like blanket time. It's like you have to have a hundred hours in this kind of experience and three hundred hours in this kind of experience. So how did you fill those hours then with the, in your case? What were you doing? So uh, you, you just go and work for, work for another architect and you, know, you ask for, if you're proactive about it, you say, I, I need this kind of experience if I'm ever going to become a licensed architect. So can you give me this kind of experience? And then they sign off on your experience. And they would put you on real life projects though where you were yeah. doing yeah. architect design yeah. and things you're, like that. You're an intern architect at that point. So are you licensed in the state of Utah and you can only design projects in Utah? Maybe that's a dumb question, but No, most most uh, licensing is through the, all the all the licenses are through the states. But because I am licensed through NCARB, I can get reciprocity in most states. Okay. Uh, so I can take I can take my license that I have here and I can apply to another state and say, "Hey, look at my NCARB record." Yeah. And do you have any Additional requirements that I need to meet for your state, like in California, you might have to, you might have to take a course in earthquakes. That's yeah. that's legitimate, not just a joke, but no, that's, yeah. that's legitimate that you'd have here to. Here too, probably. Yeah, <laughs> we just enter earthquake. Yeah, not here, but. Well, I'm glad for that background because you know the the question that I have for you is what's the difference between a designer and an architect? And it sounds like a massive amount Quite of education bit. and Quite oversight. But um, you know, there's a lot of people around here that design homes they're designers but they're not architects so what is the difference between a designer and an architect well i'd like to just just say that there is a lot of really awesome designers out there and you don't have to if you want to have a home design you can have a designer design a house for you and really you'd be looking for somebody who's got good design experience they've got experience in the industry and you know frankly there's a lot of designers out there that are better designers than than young architects would be right Mm -hmm. or even architects who haven't gotten the experience that they need to be good designers now the advantage of going with an architect is that you do you do have all that background they had to make it through all those steps so on top of that you're looking for a design an architect that's a good designer and has all that solid background in construction knowledge i mean number one complaint is that architects or whoever designs something that can't be built yeah. And you know, it's just, it's like, sure, they designed something cool, but can it, can it be built? Right. Uh, so the difference is the architect has the background, has a solid footing. And on top of that, they have a design experience. 
but you could find you could find a really good designer that's got lots of experience in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, the other the other part of it is that designers can design things up to a fourplex, and then beyond that, you know, a single family home or a, a fourplex for a designer. Beyond that, you have to have an architect. So if you're doing anything commercial, okay. yeah. if you're doing anything um, above a fourplex, multi-unit, multi-family, and in some other situations, you would you would need to have an architect. Yeah. Okay, that's a good. But if you have a designer design your home, who's gonna who's gonna put their stamp of approval on those plans eventually? I mean, don't they have to go to an engineer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, either way, uh, either way, whether you go through an architect or a designer, you're gonna need to use an right. engineer. Okay. a licensed engineer to meet the city's requirements. Yeah. Right. So you can't really necessarily teach creativity. So if you found a designer that was just just a creative genius and doesn't have this, you know, the the architect, you know, uh, business card, you you'd probably be okay. Yeah, I mean there are some really good firms in Utah that are just designers. They can't call mm-hmm. themselves architects because right. they're not licensed architects. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the advantages of having that architect is that he's going to be really well, he or she is going to be well-versed in the code. And one of the things that we're responsible for is just to make sure that, that life safety stuff is all taken care of. That's why when you get into the commercial projects, you really need right. to have an architect who is familiar with the codes, who knows, who's been trained on how to keep people safe. There's a lot of a lot of codes, mm-hmm. thousands and thousands of pages of codes. Yeah. So, Well, how does one engage your services and when? Uh, I guess the question is, and I've built two homes, by the way, and the reality is one should plan for years, I think, to, to build yeah. a home. And so all too often we have a buyer who says, man, I really love that lot. And so, you know, we put the lot under contract. How do they want to finance the lot? They want to finance it with a construction loan because then they can, you know, that first job pays off the, the lot. Well, then they're under this time frame to get something designed very quickly so that uh, they can make all of this work in short order, 45 days, 60 days, and they may not build what they want to build. So I think if you're wanting to build a home, when should one, you know, call you up, start getting going on this process? Right. Well, uh, for starters, I don't think you have to have a 100% complete plan in order to get your, your loans and, and things put together. As long as you have a a close plan, so it doesn't have to be completely finished. You don't have to get through all the process in that time frame, especially when it comes to things like finishes and selections. Mm, All that stuff can happen later. Uh, But I would say you want to engage an architect as soon as as you can, uh, early in the process, and it's, it's great to you know, some people think, I want to, I want to find that house and then I'm going to go find a lot to stick it on. Well, that's, that's really backwards in my head because when we're designing a custom home and we're we want to look at the lot. We want to say, what does the what does the lot have to say? What are the views? What are the yeah. what are the great things about this lot? Let's not just take a, a plan that we find someplace and stick it on there and hope right. it all works out and we like it. Right. Well, that's the debate that you and I have had, and certainly with clients as well. I mean, do you find a lot and then design a home to the lot, or do you design your perfect home and then you hope you find this? beautiful square half acre yeah. flat and and yeah. and that but you know we we live in an area along the Wasatch Front where if you find something on the hillside you're absolutely right Kelly 
you want to design a home to take in the views and maximize what the you got. The topography and things like that. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, if you're going to build a custom home, we're talking mostly today about real custom homes, design the uh, house based on the lot that you're going yeah. to buy. So I would find the lot and then design around that. So yeah. I think that's maybe what your opinion is as well. But. Yeah, it is. Uh, I love I love it when clients come to me with a with a topography, and we can we can put that into the computer and model the house up and just dial it in. Maybe you need a you're on a hillside, so maybe you need an 11 foot basement or a 10 foot basement to make the house yeah. fit just right. And dialing in all those elevations, it's not it's not guesswork anymore. You have yeah. you have real data. You have real a real topographic survey that that lays it all out. So it's, it's awesome. Well, I built a, a home uh, in 2008, and we had to build the home according to the lot that we have. It's a very odd lot. And I ended up with this really unique home. Very interesting home. In fact, nobody in the world has the home that I have, and it's because I have this odd lot. So, you know, that's just a, one story I can share. But, you know, generally speaking, if you go to Lehigh and there's a new community and they're, they're building... You know, if they've got this developed where these lots are all nice and rectangular, you can pretty much put any home on those. Well, certainly you could fit any home on there, but let's say it has a beautiful unobstructed view of Mount yeah. Tipanogos, right? So you might want to design something that has large windows to take advantage yeah. of that view. And again, it comes down to price point, too, if you're sure. depending on what you're wanting to spend on the project. And, mm-hmm. you know, do you, are you going to skip the architect altogether and go with one of the one of the five home plans that the the developer is offering to you right. with all the selections picked out already. Yeah. Well, I think this, those are good things to consider. Okay, and you just kind of hit on that because we, we get this a lot. What if somebody does go into a model home and they love 80% of that floor plan? I mean, they just love everything about it, but they want to make some tweaks. And of course, you know, you, you guys have to understand, DR Horton and some of these big companies, these are semi-custom builders, but you can't make changes they they'll let you move this or that just a little bit but nothing significant they just won't build it for you you'll say go build a custom home so if somebody loves a floor plan and they come to you and say i want that floor plan kelly what, what are you going to tell them the unfortunate part about that is that it's it's copyrighted it's their it's their work and not only do i not feel right about going in and copying 80 percent of that plan i i think it's it's not right. It's not legal to do that, to steal that information. So the first thing I would say is try. Try to talk to them. See if you can buy the plan, if you can modify the plan with stipulations. See if you can take it and use your own architect to adjust things on it. But get get some kind of copyright re- release on that plan. Okay. Or, or say, more likely, you know, I love this idea about this plan. I love that idea about that plan. And then go to an architect and say... Can we incorporate these ideas into a into a plan? And that's what I think maybe people don't understand, and, and I've learned this over the years, and I don't know if it's an official copyright, but our plans, like if you draw a, a custom plan for somebody and they just spent you know thousands of dollars with you, is there really a copyright on those plans that nobody else, because if I had $2 million to build a home, I don't want anybody else to build a home like mine ever. I want mine to be such a one-of-a-kind home so is there really a copyright on these plans? Well, let me ask you, if you write a book and I take that book and I, I make a copy of it, is that okay? No, it wouldn't be. So that's, it, that's really what, right? yeah. So that's so really, it, there is actually, there is actually a copyright on the plans. As soon as I, as soon as I draw that set of plans, 
I have a copyright on that set. So that means that you could sell that same floor plan to another person who's building that home. And it, it, it definitely depends on the contract between me and the client. You know, we can negotiate on what that is. And some people, it, it's, some people definitely feel very strongly about owning that plan. Mm-hmm. And we can negotiate that in the contract. Most contracts, you know, stock contracts between an architect and a client, the architect does continue to own the copyright on those plans. It's kind of like a photographer, right? They take your family pictures and mm-hmm. they let you use use your family you a, picture. You get a license to But use if you that. were to post it on Facebook, don't you have to mention a credit about that photographer? I mean, it's kind of the same Perhaps. same, same thing. Sure. But but obviously there are lots of companies online that are selling sets of plans and and somebody could bring one of those to you because when you buy that plan, you're buying the right to use it, right? Right. But can you modify that though as an architect? So if you go online and you buy a plan uh, or buy a license to a plan, we'd have to look at it and see what did you buy? Yeah. And uh, is it even in a file format that I work with that uh, I could easily modify this plan? Because there's there's a lot of different file formats out there and some of the stuff you buy online is just line work. And modifying that line work takes a long time. Yeah. The tools I use let me, uh, let me model things in three dimensions. It's much more efficient, much more effective. And... You know, it, it might take less time for me to just draw you a plan well, than to true. try and modify all those little lines. Yeah, so that. that's the comment. Maybe, I mean, maybe it's tempting to buy a set of plans for $2,500 online, but but then it's like my wife is a custom dressmaker, right? Mm-hmm. And people will buy a dress off the, the rack, Bridesville, and they want her, you know, to just do all kinds of different things with the sleeves, take them off and rip mm-hmm. them here and build up this and do all this stuff. And she just thinks, I wish I would have just been able to start from scratch with you, it cost you the same amount of money. So I don't know if you're discouraging people from buying a set of plans online, but it sounds like for just a little bit more, you can have a lot more fun with it and do a lot more things with it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I'm necessarily discouraging. It's not my preference for sure. My preference would definitely be to start from scratch, get to know you, get to know your requirements, yeah. and then help you come up with an awesome solution for the for the project. Cool. Good. So let me, and I don't mean it to sort of be redundant on this, but... You know, when you go to a builder, they have thumbnails of the floor plan. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not a full set of plans. But you're right. saying if somebody brought you that and say, I like this, you still would have some hesitancy to sort of model off of that thumbprint, that flyer they got at some sales yeah, office. Yeah, we, we've got to be we got to be really careful. I don't want to steal yeah. somebody else's work. And we don't. I don't want to put the client in a position where... We're going to set ourselves up to get sued for some reason. Yeah. But there, the copyrights. If you're talking about, um, if you're talking about like a specific space and the layout of that space, that speci- once you get down to a certain scale, it's no longer copyrighted. Okay. If we're talking about a full house plan or full level plan, yeah. we I would shy away from trying to copy that. Yeah, but is it helpful if it, and maybe it gets in the way a little bit? But let's say. Uh, uh, a couple come to you and they have a Pinterest board or something like that. And this is the way we'd like to have our kitchen look. Mm-hmm. And this is the way we'd like to have our master bathroom look. Is that helpful to you or is oh, that sort of, okay. Yeah. I so think, having that picture is a thousand words kind of a thing is yes, helpful for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's very helpful. And you know, one of the first things I tell clients is, Hey, go, uh, go online and go visit house.com, H O U Z Z.com or go visit Pinterest. Or the parade of homes. They're taking pictures of the parade, the parade of homes. Of homes. And, Take some pictures of things you love. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. how does an architect charge for drawing a set of plans? I mean, you know, 
that's got to be hard for you because everything is different. To quote something before you really yeah, start. Yeah, well, it's very, it's a it? very, it's a very different process for a lot of people, right? Um, some people want to get in your business and just tell you every step of the way. Some, I would imagine, want to give you a little bit of leeway in your creativity. But at some point, are you just keeping track of your time and you charge them that way, or is it a price per square foot? How do you? How does an architect charge? Yeah, so it, it varies. All across the board, as many ways as you can think of being charged, that's that's how they they mm-hmm. can or they might set up the contract to charge you. Um, how I do it typically is I want to meet you, I want to talk to you, I want to figure out what's in your head, I want to figure out what kind of services you need because the range of services can be pretty broad, or it can be really narrow. If you just need me to do something quick for you and get out of the way so you can move on to the next step, that might cost less than having me come out to your site or come out to your home five times so we can talk about the kitchen. So there's a, there's a big range of services, and typically I like to do a fixed fee and then a, an hourly for additional services. So we kind of list out fixed fee for A, B, and C services, and then D, E, and F, if we do them, would be at an hourly rate. Mm. But you can charge, uh, an architect can charge per square foot, they could charge um, you know, fixed fee, they could charge as a percent of construction cost, mm-hmm. or they could do some kind of combination. I've heard arguments for let's do a let's do as a percentage of construction cost plus a fixed fee for X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. So it's just as creative as you want to get with it and what you're comfortable with. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about this because we started jumping in that direction. How how do you get the ideas out of your clients' heads? And onto paper. I have, after showing real estate for 20 years, I mean, I, 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 could, I could create some really great uh, floor plans. I just don't have the technical ability. But I know there's a lot of creative people that want to build a home. And somehow, because you're not a mind reader, <laughs> you've got to go through that process of getting that out on paper. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the first step really is to collect your thoughts. As a client, the client needs to go and collect their thoughts, write down their lists of things that they want in their home. I, I send them home with homework of... Yeah. Come up with ideas of things that you would, you would like in the home, and then I will help help you with those ideas and help add ideas to that. And let's let's spend two, maybe even three hours sitting down and going through your pictures, telling me what you love about these pictures, telling me about the spaces you want in the home, what's your dreams and your aspirations for this project, and and then just getting as much information, listening and taking notes about that. And then you know we're not gonna. I may not come up with the perfect plan on that first draft, right? So built into that process is a couple of different drafts. And then we, once we pick a direction from one of those drafts, we can refine that down and add layers of detail to it. We meet, we talk about it, and then we can move it all the way through to construction document phase. Would it be safe to say that if somebody came to you very prepared, I mean, they've gone to the Parade of Homes, they've got their Pinterest boards, They've got examples here and examples there. Would it be safe to say if they had really prepared, would it cost them a little bit less money? Again, it, it's it's going to vary, but you know, because you can think of if somebody's extremely detail oriented and they have lots of requests and they have, <laughs> and it might cost them more. <laughs> it might it might cost them more, right? Because <laughs> we gotta we gotta work through. We gotta make sure it's absolutely perfect. If someone's going to come to me, I have a couple friends that I do projects for on a regular basis, developers, and. When they come to me, they trust me. They say, this is what I want in the home. I want it to look something like this. Go. Those guys get That's the best. a lot of responsibility. On Those you. guys get the best deals because they, oh. they trust me to create a product for them. And it's going to take me less time to produce. 
because because of that trust. Hmm. That's interesting. Have you ever had anybody come to you and just give you like five bullet points and and then just kind of turn you loose? I mean, that's got to that's a lot of. Uh, I'd be afraid of that situation, but at the same time, maybe a creative would just thrive under those conditions. Yeah, even even when I'm doing plans for builders, I still like to sit down with them and talk through the plan yeah. to figure out what it is they want. But uh, I uh, just a funny story. I had a a guy that I quoted over the phone. He told me kind of what he was looking for. He said he had it drawn up, what he wanted. And I gave him a quote over the phone and he showed up at my office with five sticky notes. And I was like, oh, this is the plan. <laughs> you've, you've drawn it on five sticky notes. Yeah, yeah. This is what you meant by you had an, you had it all worked yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. So I, I decided never to quote anybody over the phone again. <laughs> but, you know, when we built this building, we did work with an architect. And we did just, I mean... And this isn't a fancy building. It's you know, uh, it, but it's a nice it's functional. It's nice, but we just said, look, these are, this these are sort of the guidelines within we have that that we have to operate within. Mm-hmm. And he came up with a plan. I think he nailed it within the first couple of drafts. I mean, he brought it to us. I remember we made a few little suggestions, and he sort of nailed it. So, like you're saying with your developers you work with, um, they kind of give you some parameters, and you just go, and. Um, that's uh, not to say we nail it absolutely on the I, first draft. But. I know, but sometimes there's only so much you can do, like on a commercial building, because of parking requirements, uh, building envelope, mm-hmm. topography. I mean, some of that's going to limit what you can do in a, in a building, maybe not so much in somebody's dream house. But, um, you know, we can, it was pretty quick with the architect yeah. we worked with on this building. Well, and I think we were kind of in a hurry, too. And that's, yeah, what, that's back to my point where I just wish people would take more time to, to do this pro, you know this whole process. Yeah, that's what I tell I'll tell people. Um, they come to me and say, hey, we, we really want to get this done. We want to do it quick. We want to try and get in and get the, the foundation in the ground before this winter snow yeah. hits and, all, and the ground freezes. Yeah, and that's I tell them, true too. You know, we can rush through this process and I'm willing to do that for you. But you're about to spend $600,000, dollars $800,000 on this project. Would you rather just take a few months and wait till spring to break ground? And yeah. then we can take time and make sure we get it right for you. I think that's great advice. You know, speaking of the Parade of Homes, we go through these homes every year. I just, I love the Parade of Homes. And they're so fantastic. And I just wonder who's coming up with all of these ideas. And is it, is it the architect? Or do you have a lot of clients from day one engage an interior designer uh, along with you as an architect and do you mm-hmm. coordinate and, and and kind of work together with your interior designer is that something people do yeah absolutely from um, day one well I, I don't know that you need from day one to have the interior designer involved yeah. but early in the process is good to have the is four-way too late or is sheetrock too late to... it depends on it depends on what kind of designer you're working with if you're working with a designer that wants to give their opinion about kitchen layout and closet placement and some of those things there are some interior designers that want to get their fingers in more yeah the structure more of the structure interior yeah. stuff um i think i think uh, even even having them involved earlier just so you can get through all the myriad of decisions that you've got to make on a large mm-hmm. home mm-hmm. is important so it depends on who you're working with and what their specialties are because even some even some architects will take on a lot of those selections and, and can do that for you it just depends on what their their skill set is. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, I I think there are some really incredible interior designers out there that really make a project pop with the selections. There are because these homes are works of art. They really they're are. just masterpieces. <laughs> some of these, you know, we have a brother that's a general contractor, and honestly, he hates working with some of these interior designers because 
they just bull, they have no respect for the budget, you know. And, and no. of course, the the builder is always accountable to the budget. I suppose you could say the same about the architect. Too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think it's it's really important that you work with people that are sensitive to your your requests. Uh, that yeah. I, I try to be very sensitive to a client's budget and work with them and tell, try and guide them. Oftentimes, I'll have clients just tell me, "Well, this is what I want," and I'll say, "Okay." But I told you what it was going to add cost, right? So yeah. we'll let that go. Well, um, so you know, we've got an interior designer that could be involved, an architect could be involved. There's landscape architects as well. Do you provide some of that service for your clients if they've got ideas on what they want to do with the uh, with the landscaping, or should they hire somebody else? Yeah, I think uh, it it depends. It depends on what kind of project and how big and, and again, what the skill set of the architect is because there are a lot of architecture firms that either do landscape development as or landscape architecture as part of their services mm-hmm. or they have an in-house landscape architect. Uh, a lot of the bigger luxurious homes that I've done, I've loved helping with the landscape architecture aspect of it because as you as you move away from the house, it's not like it's the house is separate from the yard. It's like the, the house is integrated yeah. with that design. Yeah. And those those concrete walls that you used on the house, if you want to extend those out into the garden and into the yard and you wanna you want that house to look like it's anchored with that that landscape architecture, who better to do it than the to guy the, who's designing, designing the house? The home, yeah. So I I think either way is a viable option and it does depend on what kind of project you're working on. When we get to bigger scale projects, it, it has been wonderful to work with landscape architects to get another designer in there who's going to work hand in hand with you. So it's, I've had success both ways. How involved are you during the build process? I mean, do you visit the site? Is that an architect's job to come out and check on things or? Yeah, so it's called a, that's called a construction administration phase of the project. And the architect is there to help answer questions for the builder if he comes, each of these projects is an incredibly complex puzzle, yeah. and there's bound to be something that that hasn't been completely worked out as you're moving through these plans. Something that wasn't anticipated, or, right. or whatever. There's going to be questions, and having somebody who's going to be there to answer those questions, help you work through the details, and be the uh, be there for the builder during the build process is important. Mm-hmm. And then coming out and visiting the site and walking the site with the clients is is always good. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, the truly unique thing about a custom home. It's never been built before. Right. <clears throat> Whereas some of these production builders, they can build the same home, and it, every time they build it, they find ways to, to do it, it faster. A little better, a little faster, a little, a little cheaper. Exactly, yeah. Right. So uh, that's, I bet you've run into a lot of challenges. You, we see these mm. plans on paper, and, and they materialize, and I, I would imagine things come up. Yeah. you got to solve. Yeah, well, nobody's ever do. built this project yeah. before, and that's mm-hmm. the difference between a custom home right. and going into a D.R. Horton or Richmond Homes or, you know, Salisbury, Ivory, whatever. They've built that floor plan, you know, hundreds of times, and right. so they've worked all that stuff out. Not to mention the client may have a couple of requests along the way, like, oh, I didn't realize X or Y <laughs> Okay, or we're Z. the worst at that, though. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to change this. Well, you can do that. It's going to take some time and money to do it. But well, yeah. I suppose it's worth talking about because... Um, when you see a home, you know, materializing, it's being framed. You just come up with some other idea, or you didn't like the way that you know that that actually looks now that you see it, and um, it does drive builders crazy, even custom builders, when you go in there and start making some changes. And I know some of those changes actually still probably need to go back to you as the architect to make sure that that can really be done. Could go back to the architect, the engineer, the city. You know. Yeah, it's uh, it's really a 
a letdown for me when I walk up to a project and they say, well, we decided to change this with the builder. And I say, well, I really wish you just, you just talk to me because I would have told you to do it this way and it yeah. would have looked so much better. Oh, yeah. no. Just, just, you know, now it's done and you don't want to pay for the change and it's just not what it could have been. Mm-hmm. So coming back to somebody who's got that design idea or design mind mm-hmm. and who can help you make a good educated choice about what you're doing yeah. is, is a good idea. Here's a good question for you. Um, do people always turn to you and say, Kelly, you know, how much is this going to cost? Like, do they want you to like throw a number at, okay, you know, if we add a sunroom, how much do you think it costs, Kelly? Right. Or I mean, do you get that right. all the time? Like you're the one bidding out their plans? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people want to know. Uh, I can give you, I can give people rough ballparks about what we're talking about. But if you were to, if you were to say that same question to a builder who works with those prices every day, he'd say, I have no idea. Yeah. Because I don't know what subs. I'm building for you yet. Yeah. And I don't know I don't know anything about your project yet. So as we as we develop a plan, we can then once we have a, a floor plan and some elevations, we can give that to a builder and he'll get us somewhere in twenty percent, you know? Right. Um, plus or minus ten or fifteen percent of what the actual cost might be. And then once we're all the way through, then we can get a, a solid hard bid on everything yeah but it's such a difficult question to answer what is this going to cost and people do that all the time oh, man. with a picture that they're pulled off the internet what is this going to cost me to build right it, people don't understand how difficult it is and how much time it actually takes to start getting some accurate numbers i mean that's putting it out to all the different subcontractors to bid and determine what materials and finishes you want that's just such a hard question to answer, but it, it's hard going into a project not knowing what it's going to cost. It, it is it is difficult from both both perspectives, um, and I think you, you say when should you engage an architect? Well, another question is when should you engage a builder? Yeah, and if you've got question. if you've got a builder who's building the kind of home that you want in the area that you want to build, he's going to be the one that's going to be able to give you the best answer about how much it's going to cost. So if you have him involved from the very beginning and the architect and the builder are working together and trying to hit that number and they can talk to each other and work through that process, it's going to give you a much better idea. Mm -hmm. But really, it's not until you have a fully engineered set of plans that you can get within maybe 10, 15% of what that's going to be. In order to get an accurate bid, you need to have engineered plans. The engineer is going to be telling you what all the beams and all the foundations and the rebar and the Mm -hmm. hold downs and all the, the stuff that's got to go into those walls, right. he's going to be the one telling you that. So you can't get an accurate bid without that. Yeah. So yeah, it is, that. It is. you You don't want to go in, you don't want to build the house that's right at your limit of, no, of cost, right? You want to go in with some... Good advice. <laughs> with some extra money. In fact, on that, do you ever have clients that, um, that are super budget con- conscious? I mean, I, a lot of people are. And, and do they say, can you design a home that's... It's a little bit more budget friendly because when I think about architects, I think about soaring windows and crazy angles and just the, the footprint of the home, the way they build them these days is not a square or rectangle. It's like jogs here and jogs there. But if somebody said, Kelly, we're, we're kind of on a budget here. We want it to look nice, but is there things that you can do as an architect to make it look good, but still within budget? Yeah. So it, it obviously there's a point where you can't have that, right? <laughs> it's like, if your budget is X, you can't, it's not a reality that you can have Y. <laughs> but if you're, 
If you do have a budget, then what we want to do is look at your budget, look at what we can build for you, and good architecture doesn't have to be really expensive. Mm. You know, you can still you can still create something that has great proportions, that has great light, that has great features in it without breaking the bank. Mm. You just got to know where do you you got to pick where you want to put your money. Yeah, and you can help the client though make those absolutely. decisions. I yeah, mean, if absolutely. we do it this way, I think it'll be less expensive. You could make those suggestions, and I think there's some real value in that. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Okay, um, what other questions we have, Jerry? We got a lot more. Um, I would love to be able to build a home and not have budget as a as a constraint. And have you had an opportunity to work with some people that that blank check? Maybe it's kind of a blank check. Money is no object. I mean, at some point it is. But I mean, have you had an opportunity to really just put all your creativeness into a project and not have to worry so much about a budget? I'm not sure if um, I'm not sure if Frank Lloyd Wright. He's a he's a very famous American architect. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if he ever built a project on budget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think his projects were all at least double, if not triple, the budget. This is more about the art than the budget. A, for yeah. him, it was absolutely about the art. Uh, as far as the as far as the architecture goes, when you have a client that really has a dream out there, I've had I've had a handful of clients that have come to me with you know million dollar plus budgets, and we ended up going over that budget by a million dollars really they they say i don't want to pay it but i want it so they do and you know it's just it's creating something incredible and it's not every day i get to work with a client like that but it is very fun yeah i mean a client whose dream matches their 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 finances their pocketbook right Right. they're willing to pay for it those are hard that's hard to do it would be an interesting discussion you know when we see somebody building maybe a 20 million dollar home and then they're getting to the end and they're they're thinking, I'm I just don't have any more money, or should I do this? Or I'm over budget. I mean, I wonder if people that have that kind of money have those kinds of same discussions as people that are building like an eight hundred thousand dollar home. <laughs> yeah. Where they just think, I'm out of money, I can't do any more, and you're thinking, It's only another three hundred thousand. Yeah. <laughs> I've had I've had that conversation with one client before. Really? Just a I massive, know. massive budget, massive massive project. And they're like, we're gonna we're gonna skimp on this item. Okay, yeah, all right. Okay. I mean, if you're done spending money, I understand. <laughs> we're gonna yeah. we're gonna cut back from this point on. You're just not. By gonna, the time not they get it. to countertops, it's four mica instead <laughs> of the hundred thousand dollars worth of marble they were gonna put. Some in other there. areas we could have cut money and done something a little nicer here, but yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I'm gonna ask you a question, and maybe I'll I'll preface this a little bit. Uh, as, as I mentioned, I've been showing homes for 20 years. I I bet I've seen. I don't know. Well, you've been 10, to the parade of homes, homes and, uh, every year, just about too. I could build five dream homes. There, it's all in my head here. The, all these floor plans are in my head. So um, you haven't built your dream home yet, have you? No. What does your dream home look like? Do you envision it, or do you just get sidetracked every day? You know, it's it's a question a few people have asked me, but it's one I still don't know. I don't know what it looks like yet. Yeah. It's like I'm still preparing. I'm working on everybody else's house as I learn what I want to do for my own house. Yeah, and right. when I finally do it, it's going to be awesome because I've got ideas of things that I want yeah. to do. But again, where I start out with clients is let's look at the lot. Let's look at what's yeah. around this. And that's right. going to help instruct yeah. what this architecture is going to be and what we're going to create. So yeah. I've kind of I've kind of reserved myself so that I, I don't design it until I've got that piece yeah. of property that I know True. what I'm going to be designing for. You know, the thing that is, is interesting, too, is, you know, sometimes we'll see homes come out on the multiple listing service that are just massive. I mean, 
10,000, 12,000 square feet, 20,000 square feet. There's some incredible homes in Utah. For me, I'm, I'm not interested in having that big of a home. It just doesn't, it's just, it wouldn't fit my lifestyle. I would rather have something that's just super architecturally smart and appealing and maybe be in the six, 7,000 square foot range um, than some massive home. I mean, sometimes people's dream homes, they, they think so big. I would be thinking, in fact, there's a really nice home in Linden that I don't think is architecturally appealing, but I think it's 20,000 square feet, Jeez. and it's on like 10 acres, right? It's a bragging rights, I think, is all it is. So I love the idea of having super smart design, functional spaces, beautiful spaces, then massive square footage. I think there's a lot of people in those price ranges that it's almost like an ego thing to have right. 10, 12,000 square feet. It's also it's also really tough, and you guys know this better than than most. That when you're designing a house and you, you're thinking, am I am I overbuilding the luxury that I'm putting into this home? But it, the the footprint is too small, and yeah. is it going to resell? And yeah. am I going to get any money out of this place? And yeah, so there's all these questions for me every time I think about a big home or think about doing a smaller home. Because personally, I would like a smaller home that's just really well designed. Yeah. And when I think about that, I. I think am I going to get the money out of this? Right. Because you guys know the formulas. I don't know the, these appraisal formulas that they yeah. they're going to use on those. But it is. Uh, I think def- my generation definitely wants to have those smaller homes that are better designed than yeah. having big homes that just have space that you got to fill with right. random furniture configurations to make it feel like it's full of something. Let me make an observation. You tell me what you think. I've built two homes, and we built well, a we cabin. Well, we built a cabin too. And uh, even when I do this, I do the same thing when I walk around this office building. There's sort of a, a misconception that if you do build a custom home, you get everything you want. In fact, sometimes people turn to building because we can't find them a home, an existing home that really, you know, matches everything they want. And I'll tell you, I. Having had built several projects, I still haven't gotten everything I want in these custom homes. In fact, it's kind of frustrating to walk through my home because I had the chance to have done this the way I really, really wanted it, but I didn't. And so almost, you know, I, this sounds really bad, but when I walk through my home, I nitpick it so much. Yeah. There's almost a negative energy coming from my custom home because yeah. I had the opportunity to do it the right way. So there's that comment. And then the comment is that, you know, you don't get everything you want because your your family is always changing and evolving. When we built our last home, we had one child. Now we have four children. So uh, have you ever seen that where people think they're... I guess people should know you may not get everything you want even if you build it. What do you think? Uh, definitely the objective is to get as many things in there Certainly. as you can to make, it, to make it what you want it to be. And I mean, I, I try very hard. I, I really beat myself up trying to nail every every request that a client makes. Sometimes you can't get every request, and you're right, sometimes the needs change over time. But uh, it's definitely the objective to try and to try and get all those into the plan. Um, yeah. I, I feel some frustration with our cabin. It's this beautiful home, and every time people come see it, they just love it, and it's just beautiful. But I see all the things that we, and some of it comes down to the dimensions. I mean, if you're looking at floor plans, and I've looked at a lot of floor plans because I used to work for a home builder. And, and so I can look at floor plans, you know, and not have my, uh, you know, get dizzy. 
but when you look at something in floor plan, sometimes you don't realize how big a six foot dimension is or, sure. or a 12 foot dimension is. And then when you actually build it, you go to the site and you're like, oh my gosh, if I could have extended that another two feet. I felt a lot of frustration uh, on our cabin, for example, with just some of the dimensions that we called out. So I, got, I got three comments on that. Um, one, it's great to walk the site with the client to, you know, when it's in framing and even even tell them what which space is which and if you need to at that point you can adjust walls a little bit you can shift a wall six inches or a foot sometimes depending on what kind of wall it is if it's bearing or not etc mm-hmm. but you can make some small adjustments in the field when you see it being built okay what i'll the other thing i want to say is that when i'm when i'm designing a plan i'm designing it in three-dimensional software so we're spinning it around we're cutting so it half we're looking inside cool. we're zooming through it and then we're putting it into a visualization software where it's even more realistic, where the the grass moves and the trees, the leaves on the trees <laughs> shake in the wind, and you can you can really feel the plan. And when we build a plan, when I walk through it after it's been built, it's like I've already been here. My head has been inside this. I've seen so much of this plan from the three dimensional the, the three dimensional experience mm-hmm. of walking through these that I feel like I've already been in this house. And nothing's new. Yeah. It's being built exactly the way it was designed. Is, is there technology out there where somebody could put a virtual reality headset yeah, on and is. walk through it? I've, I've done it with clients. Yeah. Uh, for for the people that want to, uh, put a little bit of extra money into the effort it takes to get the virtual reality reality up and running, yeah. we can do that. We can put a virtual reality headset on them, let them walk around, I bet spin as, around. Yeah, as time goes on, that's going to become more and more affordable and more Definitely. and more of an option for yeah. your clients. But Wow, that would be incredible. It's not, it's not particularly expensive. Yeah. It's, it's the time to, to prepare the scenes. Yeah. Because when you when you have a, a set view in a, in a plan, you only have to worry about so many details. But when somebody can spin their head 360 and look at the ceiling and look at the walls and look everywhere in every nook and cranny, you've got to yeah. you got to model it. You've yeah, got to make sure that it's it's there yeah. and throwing some props into the scene and some colors and yeah. and whatnot in the scene so that it looks that's cool. it looks presentable. Yeah. Well, it's it's that's exciting. That's really exciting. You know, but I get the sense that people may not have nailed it. And the reason why I think that a lot is because we see a lot of big custom homes. Uh, it, that's true. Where somebody built it five years ago and now it's for sale. And I think, well, wasn't that your dream home? Weren't you going to be there till the very end? And I don't, it might be a financial thing. Like they just can't afford it. Or they might feel like, yeah, we built, like you're saying, too big. This is just too big for us. I've actually heard that a or, lot. Or maybe they feel like they say, maybe they feel like they just didn't quite get it. Yeah. Maybe they rushed the process, like we've been talking about. I don't know why these big, beautiful homes come up for sale five years after they were built, or sooner than that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. We're, Probably we're all we're all changing all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably financial reasons. I might might tend to believe yeah. that. So you you're area of expertise. Certainly, you've done a lot of residential. Talk just a, and and most of our listeners are you know, going to be most interested in, in residential, but mm-hmm. do you have a lot of commercial experience and multi-unit experience where you've designed some apartment buildings? Do you, do you have some some uh, projects and things like that that you've done in that arena? Yeah, I do. I'd say uh, I'd say the bulk of my experience is in the residential, which is where I'm really interested. I, I do really enjoy doing the residential. The other, the other kind of project I really enjoy is doing smaller commercial office space. Hmm. Doing a... Doing big commercial and some of these bigger structures with less personality or less friendly budgets for what you right. need to build, they're, they're more based on getting the square footage and 
getting the rentable leasable space done. Yeah. Uh, they're not as exciting, not nearly as fun to work on. Yeah. But there's a lot that can be taken from the residential uh, design into commercial office space, especially smaller office spaces. And mm. you know, just designing a really cool smaller office, yeah. that's, that's where my, I guess that's where a lot of my experience also lies. And then I have done, I have done some multifamily, but uh, not, not a ton. Mm-hmm. And you've certainly done a lot of additions on people's homes. We, yeah, that's kind of back where we started. I have done several additions on homes. Yeah. You know, I had a chance to visit your website. It's pretty awesome, and and Thanks. people can go there and see basically a portfolio of the things. I mean, you you're you're trying to document some of the things that you've done. Have aren't you on that? Right. Yeah. I mean, I've I've been uh, I've worked for other people up until a couple of years ago, so I'm I'm building that portfolio of projects up on my website. Mm-hmm. What are some of the projects that you're just most proud of? Or that you found most exciting? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting question because some some of the most exciting ones are the, the big budgets where people just let you do what you want to do and you sure, yeah. you can just tell them and show them and you're gonna love this you're gonna enjoy this yeah. um, those are those are a lot of fun you get the right client and they they trust you to, to take their money and do something incredible with it it's it's a lot of fun uh, I was gonna say. I mean, you probably can't go say, yeah, well, you know that house on so-and-so, I built that because maybe there's some anonymity there. But, uh, uh, but uh, Although you've got a good portfolio. You can, I'm yeah. sure you've sent people by addresses of places that you've, yeah. you've helped with. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, uh, is there a project that might be too small? And I, I hate to put you on the spot there, but I get it. I well, mean, is there a detached garage too small, right? I, I hope that by basically talking to anybody who wants to talk that I'm that I'm doing a good service for for people that if if you got a question about a project feel free to call feel free to ask and we can talk about it and if if I feel like I'm going to be able to help you with that project and that you need an architect I'll tell you so and if I feel like you don't need an architect and you really should save your money and just do x y and z that's what you should you should go do that's that cool. instead no, but I'm willing to. I'm willing to either talk to you on the phone or sit down with you for a little bit and, and just discuss what the project is. If you're rearranging your kitchen island, maybe you don't need, a, need an architect. <laughs> but I mean, I've done I've done projects as small as adding a room onto the front of a house or or extending the dining room and, and reconfiguring a kitchen so you have a grand kitchen in the home. You know, the it just it just comes down to what are you doing and feel free to to ask me questions or. Do you think? Do you consider yourself an artist? Yeah, I think you have to be. I think uh, you don't want to work with somebody who's not considering themselves an artist, who yeah. has an eye for design, and that's that's really key that they be able to look at a project. And ideally, ideally, it's good to have a builder who also has an eye for design, mm. so that the builder can can see when there's a problem or or help figure the yeah. figure out the design. Yeah. Well, how are you staying current, and how are you like, get, you know, keeping inspired? I guess um, are you do you do attend trade shows? Are there different publications that you look at that just kind of keep current on what some of the trends are? Yeah, I spend a I spend a lot of time looking at uh, images of homes, and it's it can be really inspiring going out and seeing what the other architects are doing. Uh, there's there's a lot of websites out there that you can you can gain. Uh, insight from on what people are doing in other areas of the country yeah and just 
just going out there and learning what you can. I, on top of that, uh, on a re- on a yearly basis, architects are required to get continuing education. Okay. So we go out there and we get hours of continuing education, learning new things about building systems and and how things go together, how things function, new yeah. uh, new products that might be available, yeah. researching that for you so that you can so you can know so you can well, know you're getting the best. And product. that's a big thing because there are a lot of building. There's a lot of building technologies that are that are being developed, um, especially with like a lot of commercial stuff. You know, different block technology and different ways to to make the facade of a building look pretty. And so. Um, you know, you'd want to work with somebody that's really on the forefront of what's coming out. Yeah, and you know, builders, builders, some builders are great at advancing the products that they're using and using new technology, and other builders are just doing it because that's the way they've done it. Yeah, and that's just—it's it, going to look like everybody else's house. I mean, <laughs> I've had builders tell me, "Well, my my subs don't know how to do that or this." And I'll yeah. Say, well. This is an opportunity for you to learn something new because this is going to look really awesome. Yeah, you know, and trying to get them to, to do something a new way yeah. or new use a new product. Well, I think that's awesome. You know, I live in a neighborhood. It's a it's an established, East Orem, neighborhood, and what I love about my neighborhood is that every one of the homes are different. They're all unique, one of a kind, and I just love that. And I think you know, Utahns need to, as you're saying, scale down the square footage, focus on great design. And, um, you know, they, they'll resell these things all day long when the time is right. Yeah. It's a good investment, I think, to have an artist, uh, you know, working with you on building right. a home. Right. I, that same builder that told me he couldn't, uh, couldn't work out those details said, uh, said the, the guys out east, they can do this kind of stuff. But us, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so we could bring a little more of that east. Yeah. Um, influence. East methods and influence to Utah would be great. Yeah. Well, I thought this was an awesome conversation. Definitely a I great conversation. This. And so uh, we're going to actually put your website, if that's okay, and your contact information in the show notes so people can get a hold of you. Great. And uh, you've been doing, uh, been so kind to do it, a little bit of a project for us this week, and we're very grateful. He brought us five concepts. I was, I was only expecting one. You have really outdone yourself. <laughs> and I, can't, I guess that's the kind of guy you are. You're, you're pretty generous with your time, and that's really a, a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. All right. Well, yeah. But even though we're going to put his stuff in the show notes, let's just give him an opportunity again. State your name, the website, and the phone number just for people who are listening to this and may not, you know, maybe in a car or something like that. They can at least maybe remember your website. So go ahead and give a little pitch there. So it's it's Kelly Swan Architecture. And the website is architectks.com. That's architectks.com. Great. Okay. Well, again, thanks a lot. We really appreciate it.